Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey there, car fans. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! And Mr. Corey Pratt, the madman mind behind Craving Cars on YouTube. <laughs> and we've got a guest in studio this weekend, my American Legion rider's brother from another mother, Brian Templeton. You can speak up. It's okay. Hello. There you go. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in the once beautiful, now Arctic, uh, Arctic Overland yes. Park, Kansas. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, when you see penguins going into Casey's, you know there's a real the, problem here. Yeah, well, they're looking for that pizza. The next day happened. That's what. <laughs> you can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. I say follow us on Instagram. Man, I almost never post anything there. I... I I tried, but when you have to do it from your phone, I'm like, eh. yeah, it's a, it makes it's, it a little yeah, that's a lot of work. So I have to take a picture of a picture on my phone. And yeah, then, yeah, no. I own nice, expensive cameras. I come <laughs> home, I download that stuff to my computer, and then it doesn't want me to want to let it. Oh no, I understand there is a way to do it, but it takes 17 steps, and I don't. That's have for the taking pictures for of your own face in front of something and your dinner. <laughs> I don't know how photographers do it when they take their work. I mean, I mean, I know how they do it, but it just the amount of work that's well, Ped involved, knows how to do it, but the I'm amount not, of work involved, I don't really care. For I'm not. That's that why patient. the craving cars. No. Instagram so you can follow exists. us on Instagram if you don't mind seeing the same picture <laughs> six a, months in a row. Yeah. And you can listen everywhere, find podcasts or heard. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there's something you'd like to hear more of, or if you have an interesting story, by all means, tell us. Send us your emails to brett at drivenradioshow.com. Now, with as cold mm-hmm. as it turned today, I'm really hoping you guys give me great car stories from the last week or motorcycle stuff or <laughs> Okay, you're out. Corey, what'd you do? Um, not much. <laughs> you don't, suck, don't, too. Don't, don't, you don't suck, too. Don't I like me. how he dragged it out, though. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, I had so much time I had to fill. I got the car out a little bit and drove around a little bit, but just because it was pretty nice this last weekend yeah. still. But that's, that's the extent. I, I kind of was not doing much of anything else, but getting ready to relaunch craving cars for the new year. So oh, nice. That's pretty much what it's been besides uh, Christmas, just doing nothing. So did you bother to unbury your motorcycle? Yeah, I moved uh, uh, the stuff that was piled on the bike of my son's over to the other stuff that it's piled onto my bike trailer. So that's all <laughs> over there. And I, I took the bike for maybe a two-minute ride. He took it I out. did let it idle for what? about 10, 15 minutes just to make sure things were going through, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, you shot around the neighborhood just real fast and then mm-hmm. back up. And that, and that was it. Oh, but okay. uh, soon, soon. Because I, I, it was weird, man. I got on it. I'm like, oh, I just really want to go. And I'm like, I got too much 
too much else to do. Mm-hmm. And I got a garage with the door open and, and a bunch you, of crap I got to put back in. And now in, you've so. got it free just in time to put skis yes, on. Yes, sir, I did. Hey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Did you get the, uh, the I, topless I, down? Yeah, I got. Ron and I took off in the blue Corvette, and we were going to go eat dinner one night. And we got all the way down to 95th and Metcalf. And the uh, voltage regulator started to die, and the headlights were going dim, and you couldn't see the dash. And so we raced home, and I'm, I, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say we did like the second half of the drive almost entirely in the dark. <laughs> I mean, the headlights were on enough for other people to see them, but not really enough to aid while I was driving. <laughs> and uh, off with the light on your phone. Got it. Got it back in the garage. Shut the lights off and went to, you know, on that car, You there's a separate switch for shutting off the lights and for rotating them down. Oh, okay. And when I went to, you know, rotate them down, that switch just kind of got... <laughs> I'm tired. I'm so tired. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> had to throw the battery charger on the car, got it fired it up enough down to get it down to the warehouse. And now with the weather change, this is when we do all our winter work, all oh. the new parts that have come in and the cables and the tack drive and the... Got another uh, hubcap for the red Corvette to replace the one that it tossed and banged into the curb. Oh, that was three hundred dollars. Wow, for a yeah. hubcap? Yeah, dude, I just sell you the the ones I have left over from that '56 Plymouth I completely destroyed. Forty I, bucks. You talk keep, to me. You can keep them. You can keep them. Dude, it'll look great. So, <laughs> and and the last thing that I managed to work on that is semi pseudo car and motorcycle related is. The driven radio speakeasy that is going into this, oh, the secret yeah. hidden warehouse that will be an invite-only thing, and there will be pool tables <laughs> and car and bike memorabilia, and the two Harleys are going to be stored on a stage in there now. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and uh, all of our car and motorcycle ilk will be invited. If you're lucky enough to get an invite, well, you know, break your arm patting yourself on the back. <laughs> In the news this week, uh, Toyota's subscription remote start plan isn't so popular after all. A Tesla owner chose to nuke his car rather than to pay to fix it, and 115 C8 Corvettes are headed to the crusher. Oh, my God. (laughs) Our special guests this week are John Kramen and Wayne Carini. We got Wayne Carini. Nice. Holy dude. crap, dude. John well and Wayne will be here to discuss the upcoming Mecham Kissimmee auction and some of the cool stuff that will be going through there, including the legendary Hirohata Mercury. We have plenty of news to cover this week, so let's get to it. From the drive.com, Toyota is reviewing the key fob remote start subscription plan after they got some massive blowback. Who'd have thunk it? We, wow, really? You're surprised? <laughs> I mean, how long did we bitch about that? it last week? And <laughs> we brought that up, and it was like, oh, God, Toyota. I was, bl- yeah. I was ballistically pissed about that. I've never owned a Toyota, <laughs> never come close to having a Toyota. And all I could think is, you slimy bastards. I can't imagine. We we had a Toyota Camry, a 97 Toyota Camry that we bought, one year old. That was the first car for our kids. Nice, mm-hmm. safe car. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was car. fantastic for years. You it, had to have wrecked it because you can't drive them into the ground. No, we uh, we traded it in on a uh, Toyota uh, RAV4. Oh, okay. But my wife is that drove the, one the she's wheels still off of it. Yeah, oh, and that cool. was like 11 years ago. So uh, love, you know, love the vehicles, especially for family stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Last week, we had that story about Toyota locking its key fob remote start function behind a monthly subscription. 
And yeah. uh, owners of certain models, if they're not enrolled in a Toyota Connected Services plan, the remote start function on the FOB won't work. I couldn't have yelled BS loud enough. I, there's two things going on there. One is the fact that you can't use it. Two is what freaking part of your car is connected to the interwebs constantly? No likey. New cars. No likey. New cars. <laughs> you and I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. We don't drive you crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Point. What, what happens <laughs> if you're like in a cave where there's no internet? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you get out far enough, is your, your vehicle just going <laughs> to shut down? You've gone too far. <laughs> Excuse me, what are you doing driving your car through a cave? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hate to be the one Maybe Batman's your friend, here, and you're going yeah. to see him for you the You saw it in a movie. You thought it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What's, how new is your truck? What year is your truck? 2008. Okay. Newest car we got is Ronda's GTO. It's a 2005. Probably going to be the case for me. I I don't want anything that has an internet connection. I don't want anything that anybody can j- jack with remotely. I'm a little opposed to stuff that doesn't have carburetors on it. Well, I had that OnStar thing going for the first year that I had the truck. Yeah, it yeah. was free for the first year, and it was using the truck to make some long-distance trips that first year. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But as soon as that was over, I well, actually, about two years later, because the, the disc changer in that thing sucked, and uh, uh, the CD player died, like, so quick. And I'm like, no, Damn. no, no, no. No, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the speakers started going out, and I'm like, no, you're going bye-bye. So I took it out. I bought a, uh, an accessory kit off of eBay the, mm. so that I could fit uh, a regular stereo that was left over from another one of my cars. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, and it's still in there. I did have to jack around. The speakers, I'm sorry, This is, listen to Mark Wine. The speaker, and then we'll get back to Toyota. The speakers were glued into the door. Finish, I'm going to go get a drink. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, you know, you pay 400 extra dollars for this damn thing, and mm-hmm. the speakers are glued into the plastic of the door itself. Oh, no, no, no. I'll go you one better. Oh, Remember the kind of Ovid tapered looking uh, Ford Taurus they came out with? I think it was. Oh, yeah. I had, one, 90, I had a 96 Taurus yeah. that had the oval window. Yeah. yeah. Remember how the dash was shaped? Yeah. Cardinal. And there was no way you could ever replace yeah, yeah. that stereo? Yeah. It's a bunch of. <laughs> That's when you get it underneath and pump your eight track in and put your CB underneath it. And everybody wonders why I like <laughs> driving a 30 year old Bronco. <laughs> well, uh, Toyota sent people into a frenzy uh, whether or not they owned the Toyota because it, it was seen as a dark sign of automakers' ability to nickel and dime people to deal uh, to death through ongoing subscription fees. So Toyota now claims it never intended to market the key fob remote. Sure, so real you feature. Didn't. We were just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. We are just testing the waters. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of Clark Griswold's boss in Christmas Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about suspending bonuses, and then everybody thought it was a bad idea, and he said, no, no, that's okay. That's, that's what they did. We thought we'd float this to see if anybody caught it, and then when everybody caught it, oh, we're sorry. We didn't really mean to. Yes. What yeah, they're, a uh, bunch of... Their executive team is currently examining whether it's possible to reverse course and drop that subscription requirement. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, you think? How is the CEO going to buy his ivory back scratch next Christmas, though? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You want to talk about bad PR for the rest of ever? <laughs> Built in Kentucky, screwed by Japan. <laughs> Well, from Road and Track, we've got a story about a Tesla owner who decided it was a better idea to blow up his car than pay $22,000 for a repair. 
warning for everybody. Road and track costs money. This guy is Finnish. I'm going to butcher every name in this article. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be cool to see. I'll, I'll give it. We my, should record this. I'll give it my best. Just make all the last names Lutefisk. <laughs> sorry. Really? I'm sorry. Every last name is now Lutefisk. Oh, uh, every, everybody's going to be named Ola. Ola Lutefisk. When Tesla S, when Tesla Model S owner. <laughs> Tuamas? Dude, I'm going to go with Tuamas. Katainen. Katainen. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Brought his 2013 Tesla Model S to a shop with an error code. He was shocked to learn that the car required a (laughs) $20,000 battery pack replacement. Wow. Now, is that the whole battery? Is that all I the got, batteries for 20 I got, or is that I just got like a, a lot of nice cars that I bought that didn't cost 20 Gs. I think could most you, of my cars were under there. Dude, that. couldn't you get an LS swap for less than that? I'm pretty sure you could. <laughs> Probably, you'd you'd have that. to strip a lot of crap out of the car. <laughs> the, yeah, hey, you might it's have a, a drive train issue. What do, you mean anyway. the, what do you mean the battery packs didn't have motor mounts? I don't understand. <laughs> Anyway, he was shocked to learn that the car required a $20,000 battery pack replacement. That's a lot of 9 volts. Used cars of this model year, used Teslas of this model year, usually go for around forty grand with functional batteries, but Katainen had no interest in recouping the value. He had an interest in telling the shop that he was going to blow the car up. Fortunately for him, finished quite, quite the alternative. Yeah. Fortunately for uh, Katainen, Finnish YouTube channel... Pommy Jotkat. I'm sure that ain't right, but that's the yeah. best I can do. Yeah. Specializes in blowing things up. They wrapped his car <laughs> in 30 kilos. Oh, my God. Oh. 2.2 kilos per, or 2.2 pounds per kilo, so 66 pounds of dynamite. Holy Moses. And mm. let him do the honors without asking questions like, <laughs> are there non-explosive solutions to this problem? Hey, Ollie, what do you think we should do with the car? I think we should blow the son of a bitch up. Yeah, I, okay. I think we should put it into orbit. <laughs> put it into orbit and blow it up. Katanen did remove some parts that still had value, like the original electric motor, and others that were unsafe to blow up, like the now useless original battery pack, which only burns for a month and a half after you light the suckers on fire. <laughs> Uh, but he left most of the car intact, enough for the ultimate catharsis. It took just a simple push of a button and hours of prep, you know, before all this to apply the 66 pounds <laughs> of dynamite uh, for the Finnish language YouTube channel and for him to turn his once pristine Model S into scattered components. Was it a productive use of resources? Absolutely not. Did it solve his original problem? Not even close. Did he, but he told a little shop that he'd rather blow the car up, and he kept his word. He kept his word. I right. don't know if admirable is the word you would use, <laughs> but there is something to respect about that. You know, then you promised to blow up something, you got to blow her up. You know, they've been that 4th of July race your car off a cliff yeah. thing in Alaska for a couple of years. Oh, they have? Yeah, they have. COVID is COVID. Ah, uh, got it. Got but it. I tell you what, blowing it up, pretty good solution. I'd still rather see him launch it off the cliff, then blow it up. <laughs> Ooh, that's common. blowing. I'm going to put it on a windmill. I, I, <laughs> put it on a windmill. I'm here to endanger the populace. Yeah, make it go kaboom. You know, <laughs> As it goes by, it lights a fuse. You know, there are Finnish they people. Have some salmon. There are Finnish people listening to us. Those a holes. <laughs> <laughs> 
pretty much just me. And I'm watching you again. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. They bought all my Mopars. I'm still salty about that. Hey, I tell you, I'll, I'll sell the Impala over there if they offer me enough money. Just because I took too long to pull the trigger on it, there was a beautiful 68 uh, Plymouth Fury with the fastback-ish looking thing up in Nebraska that I should have bought. That was, what, about four years ago? Because I think I showed you a picture of that. Those, why don't you buy an AMC Marlin? They almost look the same. Almost. AMC Marlin is just a little uglier. <laughs> it's not the sister That's I want. Never. You like to go ugly, but <laughs> not quite that not ugly. Quite that. I, even I have my limits, and I'm like, damn, that's, that's really ugly. It has Although, never bothered you before. The Rebel is okay. Well, well this time it's, it's got to be cool ugly. Oh, come on. It's the first time for everything. It puts the ugly on its fins. It does this <laughs> yeah. whenever it's it told. It puts the ugly on its hands, or else it gets the fans. <laughs> um, but it uh, that car, and I should have bought it, so finally I went to pull the trigger. I'm like 6,200. This and this was, you know, before everything went nuts in the classic car market. And I should have bought. I called the guy, and he's like, "Dude, I just sold it." Yeah, there, there are no cheap ugly cars anymore. Everything is a ton. Yeah, yeah. So nobody is my waiting. Bad. Nobody is waiting for the market correction like you are. Curse you, Finland, for having your extra income. <laughs> From GM Authority, Jesus Christ. tornado damage C8 Corvette Stingray <laughs> units uh, spotted prior to being crushed. Uh-huh. So early in December, a series of tornadoes uh, hit several states in the south and midwest, resulting in widespread destruction in 80 and 88 deths. 250-mile so, so. path of destruction. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, Just that's a lot. everything. Uh, the storms also affected the GM Bowling Green assembly plant in Kentucky, right. and estimated 115 vehicles were damaged by the storms. Oh and now there are some pictures of those damaged vehicles. I am P A E. Yeah. So recently posted online, the photos showed several several, several. rows of C8 Corvettes in- lined up in a dirt lot, which are missing body components, yeah. structural components laid bare to the surrounding elements. The doors are missing, allowing, you know, get a peek at all the plastic-wrapped interior bits. Sell them to me! I'll make a vet cart! (laughs) For the love of Jesus, sell them to me! We can have a racing series of damaged crap! Oh, there's, can you imagine? There's so many channels and so many people who would do this. What, imagine what JR go with one of those. JR would be out of his mind! He'd buy five of those You could grab one and put an LS in it. Oh, wait. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm down. Hey, let's, do, ta- let's do it. Are you talking about rich rebuilds? Or- <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, rich rebuilds. Could you oh, imagine them dropping, just drop a, a Tesla on top of that platform? You can put a Chevy engine in a Chevy. This has never happened before. I'm bringing it on. You think Cletus McFarlane wouldn't go nuts with one of those? Oh, he, as a matter of fact, he'd leave the components off of it. Yeah. <laughs> Vet cart. Just yes. get it into the Vet cage. Yeah. You wouldn't even just, bother with the doors. Just to have that skeleton? Hell yes. <laughs> but no. So Giant knobbies. And dune and dune flags. You know what I'm talking about. Lift it up with some with some uh, with some BF Goodrich all terrains in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. Thirty fives on that sucker. Uh-huh. You wouldn't even. Now, have if you could get it. some of the sparkly fiberglass little fenders. Oh, you want a ba- you want to make it look like a bass boat? I uh, yeah. I want to make it like a dune buggy. Yeah, and you said you had to get my banana splits on. A dune vet. And, and, and you were just saying how you had limits to ugly. I, <laughs> I call shenanigans bullshit. <laughs> What is the dune vet, man? Uh-huh. They're that could be limits. a new thing. <laughs> Visually, these C8 Corvette Stingrays may look okay, but it's it's likely all the moisture has gotten electronics and other components by this point. But General Motors will send all of these Corvettes <laughs> to the crusher. Oh, I'm glad I'm, I'm not there to see this. I would be crying more so than I am right now. So here's the one thing, though. Yeah. And you got 
you got to know that they're going to strip everything that's usable out of these. You hope so. And so all those parts will be sold to recyclers like LKQ. You know, so the wheels, the tires, uh, steering wheels, anything that's usable, anything that didn't get ruined or soaked or damaged or destroyed. And then they'll probably crush the frames. I'll bet you they even recycle the VINs. Oh. You think so? Oh, I do. I absolutely do. Because there's going to be some stamp on the engine someplace. If the yeah. engine didn't get any water in it, they're going to recycle those. Well, how much do you feel like this is irritating Corvette customers that have been waiting for their C8 Corvette? I'm not even on the, the list. It, it irks the shit out of me. <laughs> the C8 <laughs> Just production <laughs> has probably had the worst or most plagued oh, yeah. issues with all these numbers of setbacks. I mean, ever since the, the, the UA... Um, UAW uh, labor strike shutdowns of COVID nineteen chip shortages you name it it's just dude I don't and now a freaking tornado I don't don't own a Corvette within fifty years of these it still makes me mad (laughs) hey our special guests this week are muscle car expert and consignment director for Meekum Auctions John Craman and host of Chasing Classic Cars, Wayne Carini. John and Wayne will be here to discuss the upcoming Meekum Kissimmee auction and some of the cool stuff that will be there, including the legendary Hirohata Mercury. This and much more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters in used to be beautiful, now it's just chilly. <laughs> Overland Park, Kansas. Man, our uh, our temps just drove off a cliff yesterday. The yeah, bottom dropped right it Dropped, out. what, 30 degrees or so? Yeah, in a day. Yeah. I'm not... That's not right. <laughs> it's, something's wrong with that. That ain't right. That's crap, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what did we ever do to you? Our special guests this week are muscle car expert and consignment director for Meekum Auctions, Mr. John Craman. He's our repeat offender. And yeah. uh, master auto restorer, owner of F40 Motorsports, tireless worker to raise awareness and money for autism research, and last but not least, the host of 16 seasons of Chasing Classic Cars, oh. Mr. Wayne Carini. Uh, John, welcome back. And Wayne, it's a pleasure to have you on Driven Radio. Nice to be here. Thank you. Hey, hello, everyone. John, Meekum has had a banner year, and I was hoping you could run through some of the highlights for us, if you could. You know, we all know, those of us that are eat, live, and breathe cars know just how utterly strong the collector car market is in general. But when you look at the results of what Meekum Auctions did in 2021, uh, the world's largest collector car auction. It's almost unbelievable. A new record for total volume and dollar sales, a whopping $578 million in the sale of collector cars, Jeez. along with a 90% sell-through rate. Um, what all that uh, indicates is is that is the highest annual total ever achieved by a U.S. domestic-based live collector car auction company and the highest wow. total achieved globally this year. Um, our Indianapolis auction, uh, which is which was our 34th annual, smashed its record. We did 107.8 million dollars versus the 2020 record of 72 million dollars. Oh my! At at our Monterey auction for the first time ever, all of our top 10 were one million dollars or higher. 
We were the first auction company ever to achieve two auctions with over $100 million in the sale of collector cars. Of course, that was Kissimmee uh, last year, which would be 2021, and also our Indianapolis auction. And then on top of that, Mecham has announced a brand partnership with our friends at Motor Trend Group. That's Motor Trend TV and Motor Trend Plus, the streaming service, both where we are moving to for 2022, kicking off that coverage uh, at Kissimmee. NBCSN is going away. The, the network is going dark, nothing to do with us at all. And our move over to Motor Trend is at the perfect time, and we could not be more happy. I'm glad you so, threw in that nothing to do with you at all. <laughs> you think I've explained that? A, you think I've explained that a few times in the past couple months? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that may have uh, <laughs> may have needed explanation. Uh, you, you are about to uh, head to Kissimmee, Florida, for your biggest auction all year long. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, it's 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 really unbelievable. Uh, all indications are that we are going to be setting another all-time Mecham record. World's largest collector car auction company holding the world's largest collector car auction. Keep in mind, we have 3,500 cars over 11 days, January 6th through the 16th. We have four days and 24 hours of live television coverage as well on top of that. And the absolute finest inventory that we have ever had. And I just want to do a little bit of a shout out to one of my favorites, Corvettes. We have over 400 Corvettes consigned to this auction, including some of the world's best and most valuable wow. Corvettes. Guys, I'm going to take really a couple interesting... weeks off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. Right now. <laughs> a, re a really interesting statistic is the Generation 2 Corvettes, very popular, 63 through 67, about 100 of those. And of those 100, 19 are 63 Corvettes, a handful of convertibles, most are split windows, resto mods, race cars, restored cars, original cars, one of the most important cars, at least in my mind, the 63 split window Corvette, and we will have more there than we've ever had at any Mecham auction. And everything from, I mean, exotics, uh, both vintage and contemporary, uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, muscle cars. I mentioned Corvettes. I mean, running the full gamut, $5,000 of multi-million dollar cars. The lineup is unbelievable. How this Meekum team has put this together, I have no idea. But, man, they've been working hard for the last six months doing it. So with everything that's on the docket for Kissimmee and 400 Corvettes, that's a lot of stuff to look at. Uh, what would you take home? What are your favorites? What would you take home if costs were no object? Once again, I want to do a shout-out. We've got 39 different specific collections, many of which are no reserve, by the way. That in itself is unprecedented. And, of course, we mentioned the Corvettes, but if I had to pick one particular car, it would be what is going to be lot number S245. That is a 2018 Ford GT, but not only just a regular Ford GT, but the 67 Heritage Edition. It's coming out of the Jerry Ruiz Estate Collection, and it has seven miles on it. And the reason I would pick that one, other than the fact that it's fantastic and it's fast and it looks great and it's a great long-term investment, um, is it has seven miles and it's an opportunity to be able to take home a brand new one and i have to confess i would drive it i would not keep it Good. keep the miles off it. Yes, i yeah. would dry it drive it and enjoy it and live happily ever after absolutely that's fantastic wayne you've been waiting on us so very patiently <laughs> no uh, that's okay i love i love to hear john talk i mean you know john was saying about the uh, amount of collections uh, i can remember going to Kissimmee and maybe there being uh, eight collections 
we're up to 36 collections and all different in themselves. Um, you know, you got the Michael Fuchs collection, you got Johnny Justo's collection, which is fabulous to talk about Corvettes, one of the top Corvette collectors in the country and uh, uh, the Miami Corvair collection. I mean, no. <laughs> getting right down to specifics. I mean, just really cool and unique cars. I mean, it's, it's such a fun experience going to a Meekum auction and then going and seeing such great pieces. I mean, the prototype GT350 uh, that's going to be there. I, I own a GT350, so that always intrigues me a little bit what's going on with that kind of stuff. But just going and seeing these things. One car, though, that's going to really I'm going to really be following it, and I don't want to give give it away to too many people. You know, I don't know if I'll bid or not. Really, don't don't pay attention to me. But that AMX <laughs> with the low miles on it, yeah. that, that that little AMX, I mean, that, that thing is cool as hell. So uh, you just never know what's going to be at a Meekum auction. Uh, there are great collections on the Miami Corvair collection. I talked to Ruben just a couple days ago for an article I'm writing. Uh, there is so much cool stuff down there. It kind of be difficult to, to choose, I would think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I gotta be careful and uh, keep my hands in my pocket instead of raising it uh, too many times, <laughs> winking or nodding or whatever it takes. But, um, you know, I, I, I always seem to get in trouble at, at a Meekum auction. So, but, but it's so much fun. I gotta tell you, if you want to get in trouble and be entertained at the same time, this is the place to go. Wayne, you're not wrong. I've got a 61 Impala hot rod that came from getting in trouble at a make auction. So yeah, well, it's, never, it's never trouble. It's just a, a lot of fun. And then you have to come Spirits home and explain yourself. That's all. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, before we dive back into the fun car stuff, I wanted to take a moment and ask you to talk to us about the work you do for autism charities. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to talk about this uh, uh, in my TV show and and to and to talk to people generally. You know, when I'm giving speeches around the country, uh, my wife and I have a beautiful daughter, Kimberly, um, who has autism, and and I went through, we went through some tough times as Kimberly was growing up, and it made us stronger as a family, and and it made me um, know that I had to tell people about this and and how important it is to, to spread the word about autism. So I, I go around the country, I give talks um, and I donate all the uh, speaking fees to, uh, to um, autism charities in the general area that I'm speaking in. So um, that, that helps them. Uh, we have a, a, a Autism Families Connecticut that I do a lot of charity work for. Um, we auction off tours of my barn. We auction off Jay Leno uh, tours in, of his um, garage uh, to raise money for autism. But um, these are all things that I can do, and I'm more than happy to do it for the charities. Well, we thank you for that. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you've been hosting Chasing Classic Cars for 16 seasons. I looked that up, and I think I started watching real close to the beginning, and I couldn't believe it had been so long. Uh, if you look at pictures of me back when your show started, there's no white in my beard. <laughs> uh, that That's almost double the number of seasons that Seinfeld was on the air, if you look that up. Uh, where, do you find the, where do you find the time to do the show and to run your dealerships and make all the appearances you do? And good grief, you're busy. You know, it really doesn't seem that way, but um, actually um, 
the show started 18 years ago. We did a couple hour specials and then uh, we're given the opportunity by the network to, to do our own show. And it, it just, it, it sort of grew um, in our third year where we were giving an opportunity to do 24 episodes a year, which, you know, after doing two seasons of 12 hour or 12 um, episodes a year, half hour episodes, we said, how are we going to come up with the content? But it seemed to just happen naturally. Um, and, 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 and I feel that in life, you know, when I was growing up, I always said to myself, how can somebody, I, I looked at my neighbors around me and, and they had three kids and two cars and, and the husband's working, the wife is home taking care of the kids. And I'm going, how do they do that? And, and I could never see myself doing it, but it, it just happens in life. <laughs> you just you make things happen. And, uh, we did that with chasing classic cars. It sort of all came naturally. Um, it, it, it makes me really busy. I represent seven different companies and go around and make appearances and, and talk about their products and then uh, run my businesses, which I have a, a great staff. Thank goodness. So I have such wonderful people that work for me. And then uh, going around and doing a TV show and, and then going to Mecham auctions and all different auctions all across the country and car shows. And, you know, my, my wife has a sticky note. Uh, on the mirror in my bathroom, it says "no." Just, just no. Just say no when somebody asks you to do something. Don't say, "Let me think Subtle. about it." Or, 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 I'll look into it. You might as well say yes if if you'd say that. Just say no. I can't do it. But I'm. It's a tough thing for me to say, and so I've gotten myself caught a few times, uh, double or triple of booking things on weekends. So I'm 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 toning it down now since uh, since COVID. Um, yeah. And, and we, I didn't, I wasn't on the road for a year and I got to tell you, it was a wonderful thing. It was a very difficult time with COVID. Fortunately, none, nobody in my family or immediate friends uh, got it, but um, it was, it was, it was a good time off in life. Yeah. So one of the coolest things that is going to go through, uh, that's going to cross the block in Kissimmee is the Hirohata Mercury. And for those who don't know what it is, for the uninitiated, can you explain what is so significant about that car? Well, John and I share the same passion for that car. Um, so this is a 1951 Mercury, uh, the Bob Hirohata, a Japanese man, um, young man out of uh, Los Angeles, bought as a used car, a year old, and um, took it to the uh, Barris Brothers in Los Angeles. Oh. and. And, and, and told them basically in 1952 that they had carte blanche to make a custom built car. But the one uh, thing that he wanted was to win the Motorama, which was put on by the Peterson Publishing Company. And, and he says, I want to win the Motorama next year. And so he left the car um, and said, do your magic. Well, it, it was basically three months before the show uh, was coming up that Bob Hirohata stopped in to see the Barris brothers and there his car was still sitting in the corner the same way he had left it off. And he said, you guys realize it's only like three months left until the car show. And in 97 days, these guys created the most fabulous custom car ever built in the world. And it still stands as, as the premier car and the most fabulous custom car ever built 
in the world. Um, it's got such wonderful lines and shapes and forms that never will be uh, duplicated ever again. And it's been tried to be duplicated, but they never got it precisely right. So um, this is this is a, a piece of art that is coming up for sale. And, and um, I'm so happy to be part of it. <laughs> Aside from sending it across the auction block, how do you put a value on something like that? It's a one of a kind. It's an icon. It was the first to do so many things as far as uh, custom cars were concerned. Uh, when a car has no comps, how do you assign an accurate value to it? Or is it just left to the block? John, um, I'm sorry to interrupt your cough, but maybe you can explain <laughs> a little bit of that and I'll jump in. Yeah, well, you know that, guys. That's that is always really one of the biggest challenges of a particular entry like this. Um, obviously, um, building the relationship with the owners of the car, the Jim McNeil family. Keep in mind, Jim McNeil, who's passed away now, he has owned this car since 1959. Yeah. So it's been under long-term ownership. It's now uh, owned by his family, and with the efforts of. Uh, Wayne and also another fellow, Ken Gross, very well-known automotive uh, personality as well. Between those two guys working with the family, and and uh, Wayne will tell his story about his connection with the car and with the family, but everybody talking and working it out and coming up with what I, I guess I consider to be my initial gut reaction was this ought to be a seven-figure, i.e. million-dollar car. And everybody that we talked to within the Mecham hierarchy felt that that was a reasonable target. I know it was going to be the baseline. You know, what we looked at is when we were trying to establish a price for this car, um, we looked at other famous cars. So you got the Bullet Mustang, yeah, which is the, the most uh, famous uh, Mustang. And, and, of course, because of, of Steve McQueen's uh, um, involvement with, with the movie and the car um, and then having the car found – by the family that that owned it for so many years and it was hidden away it, it became almost that iconic car to be sold and it did very well uh, surpassing the three million dollar mark so we looked at that and, and established that this is the same type of car this is a car that's been hidden away for many many years yeah. um, uh, jim mcneil had purchased it uh, when he was 16 years old drove it in high school and then went off to the service and parked it. And basically it had not come out of uh, hiding until 2009 when it was restored again. Um, and, and then of course it was refreshed uh, in, in 2014 to go to Pebble beach. But this is a car that was hidden away a piece of a, a of custom uh, coach work, iconic custom, the most iconic custom in the world. And when we're trying to price that, you, you look at other comps like the Bullet Mustang, like the Kooky uh, Hot Rod that was sold at Mecham. So many cars, great cars that were sold at Mecham. And um, you, you come up with that seven figure and that seven figure uh, could be one million, two million, three million. Just you never know when there's several people uh, wanting the car at the same time. Um, so there, there's no comps. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, as John said, it's a gut feeling that you have about something that's super special. And this is not just a car. This is a piece of art. Yeah. So, so we're looking at Van Gogh's and Renoir's and Monet's. It's in that realm of automotive art. Um, 
it's it's been recognized as is the uh, by the by the historic vehicle association as one of the most important cars ever built in the world it's been in a in a on the mall in washington in a glass cube um so it's got it's checked off all the right boxes it's one pebble beach in its class it's it's been hidden away for years it it's the hva chosen car um and then, and then it's just uh, it, it's going to leave this family and move on to the next. Uh, and it's it's only had um, a very few owners but the, over, its, over its life. The car is absolutely remarkable, and its significance cannot be overstated. Uh, the fact that the first year they allowed custom cars or they invited custom cars to appear at Pebble, that it won its class outright. That's uh, that's something that's just unheard of. And well, you know what? What's so what's so strange about and, and we'll, just talking about Pebble? I got I got to tell you a little story about that. So, as a kid, my fa- my uh, my cousin built hot rods in in a lean to next to my father's barn, and and it was hot rod magazines and, and custom car magazines and hop up magazines all over the place. And I was I was ten years old, and and they were building. My cousin and his friend were building hot rods. And I always remember that car on the cover of magazines, especially Hop Up and Hot Rod magazine. And and then to see it at Pebble Beach and 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 recognize it. And, and I walked up to it and, and looked at it and it was actually in the winner's circle. It had won its class. And and um, I walked up and introduced myself to Jim McNeil and and um, he said, would you mind sitting in the car with me? Well, you know, I, I, I'd have, I, I mean, I, I, I said, oh, are you kidding me? I'd love to sit in the car. So I sat behind the wheel and Jim sat in next to me and he said, I'd, I'd just like to tell you something. Um, I, 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 I want to ask you if it's okay if you help my family sell this car when, when I pass away. I said, well, Jim, you look pretty healthy. I hope you're not going anywhere anytime soon. He says, no, I feel fine. It's just that. Um, I want my family to have some type of guidance and how to sell this car. And, and I watch your TV show and, and I like what you do. And would you mind helping them? And I said, Not, I'd love to. And so unfortunately, three years later, Jim passed away and I was in touch with the family. And, um, and then just, just this past year, they asked me to help them sell the car um, and, and so I put together a team of, of Ken Gross and myself, Ken had known the car for many years, also a great hot rod historian. And so, uh, Ken and I, and the family all agreed to take it to Mecham auction and give everyone in the world a fair share, uh, fair swipe at, or a fair opportunity to buy this car at public auction. What an amazing ask. Uh, yeah, I, it, was, I, it, was, it was crazy. I, Junior Conway was there. Junior uh, was leaning in the window, and 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 he said, "You know, Wayne, we, Jim, and I have talked about this, and 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 we both feel that you're the guy to do it." So, um, it's putting a lot of weight on my shoulders. I can tell you that <laughs> to produce the greatest thing I can. But I think I've chosen all the right people and the right team at Mecham to do this. I don't think he could have asked anybody better. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Now moving on to the very lightest thing I can think of, and it's always it's the final question in the interview, and it's our favorite question for anybody we have on the show. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? 
Well, uh, without, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of dumb things I've done. Any, anything where the statute of limitations is expired is fine. You know, I, I just wrote an article for uh, Haggerty uh, Magazine, uh, Drivers Club Magazine, and it, it's about sometimes when your parents say to do, don't do this, you say, why did he say that? Why did my father say that to me? Maybe that's kind of cool. Maybe we should try it. So my father always one of my father's favorite sayings was keep the shiny side up. So keep the shiny side up meant don't roll the car over. Yeah. <laughs> so so my buddies and I, you know, we they we went out driving one day and we had a, a, some Volkswagens. We used to drive through the state forest. And my father is, is we're just pulling out of the driveway, he said, now keep this shiny side up. So we got out in the state forest and said, well, wait a minute. What would it be like to roll a car over? Oh, Maybe no. we should try it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh. So whose car had the only seatbelt was mine. And so um, we tried it like four times until finally um, going around a corner and putting one wheel off the side of the, of the curb, you know, in a dirt road. And we got it to roll over. And of course, nobody got hurt, got out of the car and laughed like hell, rolled the car back <laughs> over and then did it again. <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord. So, yikes. <laughs> All so those hijinks. So, you know, you know, I've only rolled two cars over, three cars over, that one twice and then one uh, not on purpose. But I think that was one of the dumbest things I've ever done in a car is, is do something that you're told not to do. <laughs> so I don't. I don't want anybody out there to try it themselves. You know, this, this was in earlier days when there was a lot of room and nobody, you know, nobody's getting hurt here, but um, yeah, yeah, that's the dumbest thing. I think. (laughs) This was done by professional idiots. Don't try this at home. I think that's the first voluntary rollover. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That's number one. (laughs) Well, and I, you know, I learned from my father, never say that to my grandson um, coming up, you know, don't, don't say anything that you don't want him to do because they're going to test the limits and do it at any rate. Yep. You said it. I could do it. Don't oh. go on drag racing tonight, son. Oh, no. I would never do that. <laughs> We've been speaking with muscle car expert and consignment director for Makeham Auctions, John Craman and also Master Auto Restorer, owner of F40 Motorsports, and host of Chasing Classic Cars, Wayne Carini. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We really appreciate it. And, yeah, don't try this. Yeah, don't do this. (laughs) Not at home. Don't do this. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, if you think I'm on Instagram. At Driven Radio Show. I asked you. Uh, Okay, now i got to start posting pics. You can also listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt yep. and Mark Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Mm-hmm.